Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 27, Going in Circles. They say you're never given more than you can handle. I'm not sure who says that, but I think it has something to do with the belief in a higher power, or in the fundamental energy of the universe, or some such. Things happen in our lives, for good or ill, and we are expected to rise to the challenge and face these things with grace. The truth is a little less polished than that image, however. Even if you fundamentally believe that you're never given more than you can handle, which on some level I do, that doesn't always mean it's a smooth, straight road from challenge to resolution. I hit a breaking point yesterday. Between being sick, health discussions with my doctor at my annual physical, and a myriad of things going on around home, I hit the wall. I was literally unable to move, unable to decide what the next step should be. Thankfully, I had a dear friend talk me through it, and the next step turned out to be cooking dinner and getting through the night. She was right. After a long evening, things are, if not settled, then at least looking less dire. I feel like I can still handle things, where last night I couldn't. It also might have helped that I spent all night knitting on my new cardigan. Thankfully, the pattern is easy. Once I got to two hours after my regular bedtime, even purling got just that little bit harder, but I was still able to knit the pattern without any mistakes. I haven't had too much time to knit the last two weeks. First, I was too sick to knit. Then once I'd recovered, there were only those few minutes on my breaks at work and a little bit of time in the evenings. I've been playing catch up on life. We're out of clean cutting knives, the sidewalk outside needs chipping, the guest room is a disaster, and I still haven't taken Christmas down, so by necessity, knitting has also fallen off a bit. And maybe that's why I hit the wall yesterday, because I haven't really had that outlet to deal with everything that's come at me this week. It occurred to me during my nine-hour stint to get medically checked, And again, as I was sitting in the paper gown on the table in my doctor's office without my sock in progress, having believed him when he said he'd be back in just a few minutes, that this must be what it's like for people who don't do fiber arts or any other form of portable handwork or entertainment. I was left sitting, the only distraction, the health information posters on the wall, and the circularity of my own thoughts. Around and around they went, and even telling myself, stop. You have no new information to add to this picture. It wasn't enough to stop me worrying at it. But yesterday, I had the cardigan. Five stitches seed stitch, 11 stitch lace pattern, knit across, 11 stitches lace, five stitches seed, one row done. Five stitches seed, purl across, five stitches seed, another row. Stitch after stitch, row after row. Get through the night. Wait for information. Get out of circle thoughts. Get into linear ones. I remember being in France in 2000. We'd gone to Paris with the owner of the art center we were staying at, and she took us to the Arc de Triomphe. The Arc sits at the center of a very large traffic circle in Paris, 
four or five lanes it had to be, of cars going around and around and around. She crazily merged us to the center, close to the arc so we could take some photographs. Then we went around it two or three times before she merged us back out and down a street. And, to be honest, I don't really remember much about seeing the arc. What I remember was that traffic circle. It was equal parts terror and fascination, and I wasn't even driving. Here were all these people, in all these cars, circling this edifice, this historical monument. Were they even looking if they were locals? Were they looking too much if they were tourists? Why four lanes? Why were we going so fast? Why were we going so fast and not really getting anywhere? Sometimes I get into thought traffic circles, like that one in Paris. There's a big, huge thing right in the middle, and I think around and around it, trying to see it from each angle, figure out what it is, hope that my thoughts don't run into each other. Sometimes they start to circle faster and faster, and I know it's going too fast, that something will break, but how do I get it to stop? Because circles aren't productive. They can be useful to get you to another exit, but you cannot stay there and expect to accomplish anything. You come into the circle by a road, and have to leave by a road. And for me, knitting helps me find that road. So I have a goal for the next two weeks. Despite my continued regimen of appointments, I want to finish the body of the cardigan and start the sleeves, and I want to finish the first ball of yarn for the pie shawl knit along. I only have one foot on the road right now, and it'd be too easy to get pulled back into the circle. I need to keep myself on the road, stitch by stitch and row by row. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. So today a friend had a St. Distaff's Day party, and I went with all kinds of plans. I brought some silk to spin for homework. I brought multi- different colors of merino and Corydale to maybe work on the, the uh, novelty yarn section of the homework. And I got there and I set up my wheel and I started spinning some silk and it I had a few problems. I don't think the fact that my hands were a little warm and a little sweaty helped. So I put that away after a while. I just got tired of it. And then I looked at all the I looked at the bobbins that I'd brought and I had one clear one. Uh the other one had silk on it and the third one had some cotton on it and I thought to myself, "You know what? I'm just going to spin the stuff that I brought that's just fun to spin." So it was just uh it's a striped roving, so instead of blocks of color down the roving, the colors go all the way down, but they're layered in strips. And so I spun that, and I really was getting really nice singles out of it. So I got looking at that, and then I got looking at the colored stuff that I'd brought for my homework, and I thought, I'm going to do the novelty yarn section next. And I'm going to start with the color one, and I'm going to do it this way, because it makes a makes really cool singles. So that's what I'm going to do. I'll start that next week. I'll try and finish off the novelty yarn section. The novelty yarn section is one with color, one with twist, and one with texture, and then a cabled yarn as well. 
So I'm going to do that just for fun, just to have a bit of fun with it. So that's the plan for the next couple weeks. I know I said I'd try and spin something for homework, but it has only been a week and it's been a little busy. So, so yeah, so for level two, the next exercise to talk about is exercise C2, which is, uh, the module is called spin yarn with different characteristics, but the actual exercise is, uh, mostly written. Uh, you do have to spin one skein and then measure the twist per inch, wraps per inch and angle of twist. So with this exercise, basically they want to know that you understand twists per inch and how to measure it, wraps per inch and how to measure it, and also angle of twist. The uh, the second, or I guess the fourth part to this exercise is describing a balanced yarn and also how to fix uh, a yarn that is unbalanced. So in this case, it's twist per inch, talking about how to measure it, Obviously, it's easier in applied yarn than it is in a singles yarn, and also large diameter or marled yarns. Obviously, you measure by counting uh, the number of bumps in an inch. Twisting a yarn back on itself at the wheel um, only gives an estimate as to the twists per inch, and that's only on a freshly spun single. But it, it does give you a ballpark for what you're spinning. Uh, wraps per inch... Obviously, you have a, a ruler or a pretty wraps per inch gauge. And then you wind the yarn around that, how many fit in that inch. That's how you measure it. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting was uh, you they they do say, and, and I've read this in several books, that you shouldn't wrap your yarn. You should roll your wraps per inch gauge because when you wrap your yarn, you're actually changing the twist, which may affect your wraps per inch. So, so it's a better idea to, to roll your wraps per inch gauge and then let the yarn go around it that way. Angle of twist, um, invariably in level two, I was measuring the angle high. So I'm going to have to figure out why and then make adjustments going into the, the other levels as to uh, how I measure the angle of twist. But, but again, it's just a matter of taking a protractor and and uh, and laying the yarn alongside it and figuring out which is the best angle. I lost a few marks on the how to correct an unbalanced yarn. I was trying to be generic, not talking about S-twist or Z-twist. I said that if it twists in the plying direction, there's too much plying twist, and if it twists in the spinning direction, there's too little plying twist. Maybe, I mean, I lost marks on this because I was wrong. But if you spin, like most people spin Z and ply S. But if you spin S and ply Z, then talking about S and Z in your reasons doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyhow. The notes that Gail gave me were if it turns S needs more S plying, if it turns Z needs less S plying. I don't know. Anyhow, this exercise again is just to make sure that you understand the concepts and are able to apply them. 
And they are, I mean, these things all help you build, you know, the yarn that you want, you know, knowing the twists, knowing the wraps, and knowing the angle of twist, all of these affect your finished yarn. And, and it's good to understand, first of all, you know, what they are, how to measure them, and then and then being able to start playing with them consciously as you spin your yarn is also a good thing. So that's the fiber week segment at the distaff day party. I was reminded that I really need to call in and book my room. I have uh, I've tentatively scheduled two roommates, so it'll be good. And then hopefully by next episode, I will have at least one, possibly two, hopefully all, of the novelty yarns done for level three. Fiber Notes It's only been a week since the last episode, since I was late getting it out, but I have managed to knit a little bit. The leg warmers are finally done. Thank goodness. I uh, I knit the second top cuff without the carry-along elastic thread. And there was absolutely no difference between them except for the fact that the carry-along made these little white lines through the top. So so I, I'd finished off the, the second leg warmer and I was looking at the first one. And I tried to just pull the elastic thread out. That was going to take me forever. So I just pulled back the whole top cuff and re-knit it. And I mean, that only took me maybe a couple of hours, all told, which was much faster than trying to pick that thread out one piece at a time. So I have leg warmers, they need to be blocked. And uh, with the um, light purple yarn not being quite color fast, I'm interested to see how much color is actually going to come out in the wash. But, uh, But I'll throw some white vinegar into the rinse, and hopefully that will help. It's warm right now, strangely. No polar vortex for us, but uh, but I know cold weather's coming back again, so it'll be nice to have them. And uh, yeah, they just need to dry then. So I'll hopefully get them blocked here in the next few days. I did start on the uh, the Event Horizon Pie Shawl Knit Along for Stories and Stitches 2. I had uh, wound up the yarn last episode, and I, I cast on. I cast it on Magic Loop, but I ended up having to borrow... Uh, some DPNs. It turns out I only have one set of 3.5 millimeter DPNs and I was using them for the leg warmers. So I borrowed a set from a friend and used those until it was ready to go on a small circular. So it's on a small circular right now. I'm on the third lace circle of, I believe, four, which is kind of misleading because it's a pie shawl. I'm barely into the first ball of yarn, and there are five skeins. So to say I'm on the third of fourth four lace circles is definitely misleading. I've got a long way to go, and and I want to get there by March 14th. So I'm going to do some math, see how many days each skein of yarn should take me to knit, and see where I'm at. I'm, I know I'm behind. I mean, I know I'm behind, but hopefully I can catch up. I'm really enjoying it. The yarn is just beautiful. And the the pattern, I've done a lot of lace, but these particular motifs I'm finding really, really interesting. And I mean, they're, they're older, but I've never quite come across anything like them before. And it makes it really, really fun to knit. 
So I'm really enjoying it. The, uh, the third lace circle, which I'm on, has a chart that's repeated twice. I'm halfway through the first time through, so about a quarter. And, and I'm just really enjoying it. I've also been working on the cardigan, as I noted in my essay. I am just ready to do the last increase row. And then it's just knitting it straight until the underarms. So this is where I'm going to figure out how best it's going to fit me and uh, just keep knitting until there. So really looking forward to that. I'm hoping, as I said, to by the next episode to have the body done and be working on the sleeves because it's, oh, it's a great knit. I'm really enjoying it. And then I found out, and I really don't need to do this right now, but I found out that there's a free kneebling pattern which I kind of wish I hadn't found out about because I've wanted to knit a kneebling for a long time. And this one looks relatively small, um, but still has that, that, you know, that kneebling aesthetic. Oh, and I want to cast it on right now, but I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to leave that as a carrot. I'm going to leave that and cast that one on once I'm done the pie shawl or the cardigan, whichever comes first, probably the pie shawl. Because then, you know, that's, that, that would be one lace thing done and starting another lace thing. Oh, I just want to do it. I've got some black uh, merino lace in my stash, which might also make me crazy to do it in black lace. I don't know. The other option is to run and try and find some cotton, some DMC cotton or, or thread cotton to do it out of. Mm, tempting. Anyway, I have to think about it, but it's in my head. I'll uh, put a link to the pattern in the show notes if anyone else wants to try it along with me. So so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm happy that how leg warmers are done. And I've made some pretty decent progress for not having a ton of knitting time. So, so hopefully in the next couple of weeks I get a little bit more. And well, I don't know. I won't have anything done, certainly, but I'll probably have quite a bit of progress. Fiberside chat. I thought it was time for another Fiberside chat, so I went into my stash of interviews left from Fiber Week, and I pulled out the one with Heather Edwards from Pottery by Heather. Heather's been a staple at Fiber Week for the last three years, and she makes amazing tools for fiber artists out of clay. The story how she got into making fiber arts tools is really very interesting, and she shared it with me as well as some, we had some other discussions about the just art in general and fiber arts and, and, and the parallels between different media. So I really enjoyed talking with her. She has amazing tools for fiber artists, and I hope you enjoy the interview. So here we go, a Fiberside Chat with Heather Edwards. Well, we're here at Fiber Week, and I'm at the Pottery by Heather booth. And uh, Heather's from uh, Bonacord? Yes. Bonacord, Alberta, which is just north of where I live. Um, but you're not originally a fiber artist. You're, 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 you're a potter. And how did, you get, how did you end up coming here to Fiber Week? 
Well, I got really lucky because a regular customer of mine came to me and said, Heather, I need a yarn bowl. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what the heck's a yarn bowl? I'd never <laughs> heard of one before. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, what do you need? So she kind of described to me what it was that she wanted. Uh, we sat down, did some drawings, and, and I said, okay, I'll make you one. Mm-hmm. So I started working and designing. And, and for me, functionality isn't always the whole thing. It's also yeah. um, how beautiful it is, and, and it should be a lovely piece to look at as well. Mm-hmm. So I designed the yarn bowls, and I made three or four and I thought okay this will be great she'll come I was having a show she'll come and pick one and I thought oh and I'll get stuck with the rest of these because you know it's kind of a niche item and nobody else will want well they all sold before she even got to the show oh no to see them so I was just like oh my god Catherine I phoned her and I'm like you happened you'll never believe what happened so I had to make more Mm -hmm. right so then I was like, well, and she said, oh, yeah. And she said, my whole knitting group, and once they see this. So then a good friend of mine that lives just um, west of town mm-hmm. said, well, she has um, hair sheep. And she said, oh, you should take those yarn bowls down to Olds. I'm going down with all my fiber to sell my fleeces. You should, you know, take some down there. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck's fiber week, right? <laughs> so I went online and looked yeah. it up, and, and uh, she convinced me to come down. And the first year, which was three years ago that I came down to it, mm-hmm. um, I brought, I don't know, I think like 20 yarn bowls, thinking that, you know, I might sell a few. And I brought some of my other pottery and had a small booth area. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, I sold out virtually in the first morning. Oh my goodness. Right? And it was just, I was absolutely astounded. (laughs) And then, I I mean, I was there for another two or three days and Mm -hmm. people started coming to me and saying, well, could you make this and could you make that? And Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm virtually a yarn virgin, right? So I have no idea what's going on. And so... I went home with six pages of drawings. Oh my goodness, from that first fiber week. From the first fiber week. Mm -hmm. And so then I went home and I just, in January and February, when I have time to play in the studio, when I'm not in my full production mode, I just started making things. And then I got on Ravelry. Somebody else said, oh, you need to be on Ravelry. (laughs) So I did that. And then I started getting these notices on Ravelry. Could Mm -hmm. you make this? Look at this little item. Look at you could possibly do this, Heather. So that last year when I came, I had a much broader selection of, of support support work for the for the fiber people mm-hmm. and and it was just too much fun I mean now I'm just like I love to be here yeah right? it's so. a great community here that's what I like and mm-hmm. I think the other cool thing is is, is being an artisan and working with my hands yeah um even though I, I don't, I mean, I used to knit when I was younger, right? And I know how to knit and crochet and I sewed and that. But there's there's something about that connection and it. it's re- irrelevant the material you work in. Mm-hmm. Like the medium is. is irrelevant. It's that, it's that looking at and seeing the level of, of control that someone has in what they're doing. And then it's the excitement of somebody that I come and the ladies come in and they're like, I'm taking my first spinning class, right? Yeah. And, and it's I remember teaching, you know, the first mm-hmm. potters, right? that excitement and so they're that whole it's a connectedness and it doesn't matter whether no. you're fiber or whether you're clay or, or whether you're wood or what you are mm-hmm. it doesn't matter there's that bonding that, mm-hmm. that happens that, and that, that just feeling of connectedness that feels good to be here I exactly. love it I love it here well and uh, your work is, is incredible like, like everybody can tell what is a pottery by Heather Yarnbull it's got a certain aesthetic and, and you've got now spindle bowls as yeah, well and, and you've got flax, flax bowls that's, yeah. that are new this year as and, well yeah oh yeah No, and, and the flax bowls actually came from 
somebody through Ravelry saying, mm-hmm. you know, this is what I would like. Can you, you know, can you do and bring? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I mean, I my, I mean, I've been potting for 44 years. It's been part of my life since you know since I was 14 years old. And mm-hmm. my idea is that it has to be beautiful. Yeah. Not just functional. Like function is, it, it has to work. If it's going to be a functional item, that's the key factor. Yeah. But it has to be beautiful because it's the same as, you know, when the fiber people are making and the beautiful things they make. Yeah. I mean, that pair of vents, it could be just a plane, but all the work and love that goes into the patterning and the designing that goes behind it, it's... Again, it brings us back to that same connected, that same focal, mm-hmm. right, that, that artisans have. Exactly. So, so, yeah, but that's my goal, right? And, mm-hmm. and it is our full-time livelihood. So, yep. you know, it's it's when people come to the studio and they'll say the same thing. They'll say, oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. So I've just got it in the cupboard and I'm not using it. And I'm like, well, then give it back because <laughs> yeah. the point I make it for is so that you will use it and mm-hmm. everyone should have something in their day-to-day life that someone else's hands created yeah. as opposed to it coming out of and that is beautiful right? and it's beautiful as well yes, well I gotta tell definitely. you the first time I walked past here when I when when I was doing my round yesterday oh. I saw those I'm like I'm oh. getting one of those are those the, not too the, cool yeah the needle yeah. holders I'm getting one of those when we move into our new house because yeah, no, I don't have space for it right now but it's, I'm getting one of those when we move into the new house. They're fun. And I do have to admit that, like, when my flowers are in bloom, because as mm-hmm. well as the studio, we also have beautiful yards and gardens oh, yeah. that people come and tour the gardens and mm-hmm. yards as well. So we have tons of flowers. And I that do... That be perfect I for flowers. I um, fill it partway with water and I poke it. And, that is and so, so awesome. they just, like, daisies and stuff <laughs> poking out. And they are they are fun for flowers oh, as well. That's right? amazing. So, yeah, multi-use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, the needle holder is on my shopping list. When we move into the new house, I'm driving <laughs> to Bonacore and come yeah. and see you. No, I might actually email blast. you first and say, make sure you have a couple for me. Well, to and that's from. what you need to do because I do custom as well. So yeah. if you said I wanted this color or I wanted it a rounder, fatter shape or whatever, then mm-hmm. I would I would just make sure and do one and have one there available for you. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to oh, talk to me today. You're very welcome. My pleasure. My pleasure. By the Wayside. Well, there's only been one Saturday night between the last episode coming out and today, but yesterday's adventure out of the house meant that I didn't get my normal time to work on the tapestry. But while the washing machine was running this morning, I sat down and I I did a little bit of work in the time that I wasn't able to record. And and yeah, I think my plan of of, you know, working on finishing off the filling in on this, I think it's going to work. I I have the frame around the horse's head so to fill in the bridle and uh, and also the soldier get that done and then move on to the other soldier and the other horse. I think that will work really well. So I'm every time I sit down and do the filling in I'm like why don't I do more of this? Well it's because the outlining takes so darn long. But uh but we'll see. Maybe tonight I'll sit down and do a little bit more. But first I'll take a picture. You're probably going to get a detailed picture because I don't quite want to take it out of the frame just yet. But uh, but rest assured, I have worked on it a little bit. And by the next episode, I'm not going to say that the the other horse is going to be done. But yeah, um, I have a hopeful feeling. Thank you for joining me for episode 27. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast 
and I look forward to bringing you episode 28 on January 26th, 2014. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.